Hello, everybody. This episode is focused on the question, why do you believe in God? This episode is split into two parts. One part is me asking that question to my friend Daniel Roberson, and then the second part is me asking that question to my friend Andrea Smith. So let's start with Daniel's answer to the question. But just to warn you, I edited this conversation down, and it just starts very abruptly, and he gets right into some pretty deep stuff. So buckle up. think that when we talk about qualia that is like the actual like conscious experience that you're having of things so not not red or if we're looking at this keyboard that's sitting in between us the silver color on it and all the different colors that are actually making up silver we have a word for it which is silver and we have the word keyboard but all of those things are those those come after those are things that we use to name but there is before that a more immediate just experience of what you are actually seeing your visual field. And then when you touch mm. it, the actual sensation of touch, which is not a chemical reaction, there is a chemical reaction associated with that, but the actual experience that you have, because there could be an automaton that we design and build if we had the technology to do so, which I, maybe some people do where they could design something that touches it. And then it sends a nerve signal to a brain that then, uh, maybe there's a screen somewhere that it then like presents uh, like the sensations that it's receiving mm -hmm. or it has some kind of output or whatever that we could measure to show, oh, yes, it is sensing these stimuli. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean it's conscious and that doesn't mean that there's any actual experience happening there. And I talked about this when we talked a couple weeks ago, which is that like you can't cut open a brain and you can't find a visual field anywhere. You can measure the nerve signals that are associated with that. And you can probably account for every single part of someone's visual field and all the colors and everything. If, if you had equipment that were capable of doing so, you could probably reroute all those signals coming from the eye instead of to their brain or like duplicate them and have them come out to some machine and perfectly replicate, replicate their visual field. It's not like there's some part of someone's visual field that is not represented by mm -hmm. the nerve signals, the chemical processes that are, that are happening in a brain, but the visual field itself is taking place elsewhere. Mm. It's taking place in the realm of spirit is what I would is, is a way that I would call it. I don't think you necessarily need to use that, that language because some people are just afraid of that word um, spirit but um i mean you can talk about it with just the word consciousness mm -hmm. um, but consciousness isn't something you can quantify or measure um, because it's inherently before it comes before all of the tools that we use to measure things quantitatively hmm. it precedes them it enables them and in the same way i don't think god is um i don't think you need to even look for some kind of like intelligent design or like you don't really even need to look at any particular element of the world and say well does this point to existence of god or does this not i think all you need to look at is the existence of anything at all to show that something has to be responsible for it because we know that nothing exists without a cause and this is called the problem of the first cause so like mm -hmm. every single thing that exists we can follow back if we have the knowledge or the resources available to us and show how this exists because of this this exists because of this which exists because of this which exists because of this and and so back and and we can just go back and 
uh, way down the yeah. line, all of us on Earth depend on the Earth's existence, for example. The Earth's existence depends on uh, whatever matter was flying around and clumping up into the shapes of planets back mm -hmm. when the solar system was being created. But what about matter itself? What about space? What about physics? What about all of these things that the just the existence of matter itself depends on? Mm -hmm. And uh, then when we talk about God, so so we know that there has to be some kind of first cause, which is in some way uncaused. Yeah. Right? And so then that puts it in a whole entire other category of being. And that's where it gets kind of tricky to talk about God. Um, because we can say, okay, something, something caused it. And when people want to have more of a natural, naturalistic worldview and they don't want to use the word God, they might talk about like the Big Bang. But that in itself mm -hmm. is problematic because that just pushes it back further. Because then you look into what the Big Bang theory actually is and it's like, oh, it's this endless cycle of expanding <laughs> and, uh, and then collapsing. And there was a universe before this one that collapsed into a, a tiny dot about the size of a marble and then it exploded back out into our mm -hmm. universe but that doesn't explain the the beginning of that cycle or how it got here and then some people just say oh well there wasn't one but that's basically that's that's unsatisfactory and i would say to just say that oh to say oh well the cycle has just always been here and there was no first cause i would say that's as big of a leap of faith as saying that that there was some kind of uncaused first cause that might be a conscious being because hmm. what you're doing with that is that's not a rational step you're 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 coming to the brink of rationality by saying you're you're trying to go back all the way there and your rationality is taking you with this rule of cause mm -hmm. yeah that's that you're using reason to go back as far as yeah. you can but then it gives, takes you to the brink and you have to at some point just say well I'm going to take this leap of faith and just decide, well, my reason can't arrive at mm -hmm. the end of this chain. So there just must be an endless chain, mm -hmm. right? But yeah. there's no reason to actually believe that. That is just something that you have to choose. And that's a leap of faith. And so to believe that there is not a God requires just an a priori assumption that that's just the way it is. And you can't explain it. There's, there's, there's not this. There, there is not somehow like more rationality into in in believing in the in mm -hmm. the lack of God. And yeah. a lot of people, I think, kind of feel that there is, and that um, it's like somehow silly or not. Um, I don't know that it's like this kind of superstitious uh, irrational thing to believe in god which i think is just simply not true and that just has more to do with our cultural biases and preferences mm -hmm. than it does with reason itself yeah um and i think it's actually a uh a bigger leap to say there's not a god than to say that there is because to say that there is oh there is this ex there is a being whose existence is uncaused who is altogether one because God has to be one if God exists at all. If God is if God is made up of components, then it's not God because in the same way that um, like I am dependent on the causes of things, of forces and people that came before me, I'm also dependent on my component parts. So my existence as a whole 
depends on the existence of each of my components. Mm-hmm. And so God cannot depend on anything being the uncaused first cause being. Therefore, God has to be one in its entire being. Mm-hmm. So God is God is both before everything and is also actually the simplest being because mm-hmm. God is completely like one throughout its being. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is not he, he I, I said, I slipped into my old oh. language there and said he, but, uh, God is not composed of other things that yeah. preceded its existence. Hmm. Um, and all, most of this argument that I'm making here, um, you could find a lot better articulated and in a lot more detail in the book, the experience of God by David Bentley Hart. It's a book. I think anybody who is interested in this question should read, hmm. um, it's the one that kind of set my mind at rest. It's the argument. It's the best argument I've heard for yeah. the existence of God. And I've yet to see anything that successfully, um, dismantles the argument mm-hmm. and makes it unconvincing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, you have at the end of the day, like you said, like at the end of the logical road, you, you have to, um, like you said, take a leap of faith. You have to put your faith in something that is eternal, no matter what. Um, either you believe that, you know, this like matter and, um, you know, time and energy and all that is eternal, or you believe in an eternal actual being. Um, would you agree with that? Is that kind of what you're, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like you, you either have to just take on faith that this stuff exists, which you can't explain the existence of, which are just like space and time mm-hmm. and the, the laws of physics that govern them. And or you and, and, and I guess some people are more comfortable with that because those are things that they can actually like touch and interact with, like, well, matters here and. Uh, I can touch it and it's just always been here and that's enough for me. But I, I think that for me leaves out the spiritual dimension of reality, which I think everyone knows is real if they're honest with themselves and maybe they just don't realize that that's what it is. But the, mm-hmm. like I was saying about the conscious experience, like you were saying about the experience of love, apart from whatever physical processes might explain it, apart from whatever historical evolutionary processes might explain it you're talking about the experience of it itself is so vital it's so close it's so immediate mm-hmm. and the the existence of consciousness i think points to the existence of consciousness at the center and the beginning of existence mm-hmm. because it, it just doesn't make sense to me that a conscious experience just somehow came out of dead matter Right, you can't you can't just go from dead matter, which is not conscious, and then suddenly just somehow magically consciousness gets added onto that. It's tacked on. Like who tacked it on? Where did it? It doesn't. At, at no point. Like you can get up. You can you can have evolution get you so close. Evolution can account for all of the physical matter, all of the organs, and all that that is required for your conscious experience, but it cannot create your conscious experience. All it can do is create a automaton that mimics having a conscious experience, but you yourself know that you are not an automaton. I know that I'm not an automaton with no conscious experience. I can't prove that you aren't. 
because like I'm not you and I don't like to for if I were to measure you uh, with all the scientific equipment available, you would be indistinguishable from a really, really advanced automaton that has no conscious experience because we can't measure consciousness. The only way that I know that you're conscious is through empathy because I know that I'm conscious and you look and act like me. Therefore you must also be conscious. I think that's, that's a reasonable, um, assumption to say that I am also conscious. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm not going to dissect you or vivisect you or any of that stuff because I have empathy. So there are people who, who don't have that, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I have it. If that's what you're trying to, uh, allude to. Oh no, I wasn't. I think you have empathy. Okay. Thank you. Um, but I think that is an interesting question of like animal consciousness, plant Mm -hmm. consciousness, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, we, we only associate consciousness with looking like a human and acting like a human because we are humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no way to prove that like the sun isn't conscious or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's yeah. no evidence to believe that it is, but there's also no evidence to prove that it's not. So, but yeah. I mean, scientific thinking in general, you, you defer to things that you like it's on the, the burden of proof is on the one who's trying to assert that something is mm-hmm. the way that it is. Yeah, and go and going back to like the, um, like it's impossible for something to just become conscious. Um, everybody, at least, well, I'd say ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people believe that they're conscious, at least. Um, I'd say ninety nine point nine percent of conscious people think that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some people aren't though. Yeah. Um, so we we believe in this thing called consciousness and Mm -hmm. um well to not believe to not believe in consciousness is to not believe in anything you have to yes you have to disbelieve your entire experience if you don't believe you're conscious so you got it you got to explain how that happened in the first place and it you can't avoid the supernatural you know, because mm-hmm. there's no natural thing that we've observed that is able to just speak consciousness yeah. out of unconsciousness. You or know? matter itself or existence, yeah. right? Ex- like to have a natural in existence presently, you must have a supernatural that explains yeah. the existence of the natural. Like whatever, whatever, like it goes back to the causes thing. There's mm-hmm. there's something beyond that is supporting the existence because it doesn't just like because we know that things don't just exist mm-hmm. just because. Yeah, yeah. So if you really just break down these things, you just can't you just can't avoid something just extraordinary, just something supernatural, and you can call that something else other than God. Yeah, totally. but. There's all you sorts can't of avoid knowledge. supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would. I would yeah. say that's where I have arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's probably I don't know. I think there's a good argument to be made that whatever that supernatural thing is, that there is consciousness associated with it. So I, I think it's more likely that there is some kind of conscious being than than that there is just like a force, like an impersonal force of like creativity or goodness or whatever you want to call it all right now let's hear from andrea on why she believes in god for me 
to be honest, I feel like I know that the goodness of God, that goodness has to come from God in my own experience, because for me, it is so clear that the evil that is in my life, and I do say evil because I have had personal encounters where I, I, they're do like to get spiritual here i do feel like there is like almost a demonic or evil presence and what's funny is that only came about where i started recognizing that in the last few years and to be honest i i've recognized it through counseling is that i have been probably deep in counseling for the last couple years and this past year i've had to even like up the times i've gone to counseling even more and like, like to just go there for me, like I wrestle with like really evil thoughts a lot. Um, like for since freshman year of high school, I've probably struggled with suicide ideation for like consistently. Mm-hmm. And like that, those are evil thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I know that. And like for me, if you know me, I know I'm not an evil person. And I know that like those thoughts feel like invasions. They feel like an attack. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about the source of those thoughts to end my life, it's very much a thing that it has to come from a source of evil Mm. for that to be, to finish something. So, um, so encompassing of our whole lives, like it's our literal life. Mm -hmm. And so on the flip side, if that is to be true, then a conclusion I can come to is then if there's that such evil, then there has to be the opposite to be true. There needs to be something that is so good that makes those tr- th- those thoughts untrue. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? No, it does. So like for me, I'm able to live each day despite those thoughts that come into my mind and they're fleeting thoughts. It's never like I dwell and it's definitely ideation. It's not, I've never attempted suicide and I've never even come close to it. But like through counseling, which recommended to everyone, super helpful, like it has allowed me to pinpoint those thoughts and it has allowed me to let God speak into those moments to rescue me out of it. And yeah, I know a lot of people are probably like, well, that's the benefits of counseling. That's not necessarily God. And maybe, but for me personally, I need it to be attributed to God. And I'm totally comfortable with someone else attributing it to something else. Mm-hmm. I just know it to be true in my own life. So the any goodness that people have mm-hmm. has to come from God, you're saying then? I think the source of goodness is God, so yes. But mm-hmm. I don't think like that means like for someone to display goodness means that they have to know it's from God. Mm-hmm. Like I have so many friends that like don't believe in God and they are such good people, you know? And like at the end of the day, like I think you can say that about most people that they have so much goodness in them and so much badness in them. Um 
that's why I don't like necessarily saying like it's funny because a huge a huge descriptor for me of God is that he's good, but I hate that descriptor for humans. To say that someone is good feels like not enough, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There has to be a source of that yeah. that goodness. I mean, because there is a lot of good out there. Totally. And, um, and you don't believe that the source is human beings because no, you yeah. see a lot of brokenness in them too. Yeah, um, I think you're just going to be ending up disappointed if you think that the source of goodness is from people because we see so many examples, it, especially in the past like couple years, that that is just not true. Mm. Um, I mean, like, dang, we have really seen like the evil of people. Mm -hmm. um, and so like for me, it, it doesn't make it doesn't add up to say mm -hmm. that that's coming from humans. Yeah. Yeah, it makes more sense for there to be a really, really good and plentiful source of that goodness, which yeah. is God. But I totally get the con I totally get the argument that like, well, you can't say the same for you can say the same for God because all those examples in the Old Testament. Totally get that. There are mm -hmm. so many examples where I'm like, yeah, that doesn't seem like a good God, and I wrestle with that as well. Um, but. When I, and kind of going back to our previous conversation, when I think about Jesus, though, that's the thing I can really stake my claim on, is that, like, if we look at the life and teachings of Jesus, he is good. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So you mentioned that sometimes believing in a God is really painful. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit more? It's lonely at times. I mean, and and I'm, I don't want to say lonely in like the way of like when Christians complain of like, <laughs> no one around me believes in God. Like that I feel like is a fake loneliness because like, here's the deal. Like Christians are pretty privileged in America. Like, mm. so I'm not, I'm not saying loneliness in that sense of like, I wish people around me believe the same as me. Mm -hmm. Lonely in the sense that like, there does feel at times like you're crying out to God and there's no answer. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, why? And I think like that's a very honest like display of like dependency, I guess, because mm -hmm. there are so many times where I don't understand something or I don't understand why something happened in my life. And I'm just like, God, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up. Can you please show me? And I won't hear anything or do or see anything. Because mm -hmm. it again, I when people say God says something, like I think a lot of times that really messes people up to think that they need to hear like literal words from God. Mm -hmm. That's never happened to me. But um, we look for confirmations, and it feels like there's no confirmation. So like specifically, I feel like in a sense, I'm kind of going through a season of this that I lately I've been having a lot of health issues and I keep going to the doctor. We keep trying to figure out what's going on with my body and we're just not getting many answers. And so um, how and I'm, I'm blanking on where in the Old Testament and who did this, but there's someone in the Old Testament that looked for an answer from God and he laid um, his fleece out. 
And he was like, God, if I'm supposed to do this, make the ground around the fleece wet and the fleece dry. And then mm -hmm. I'll know. Yeah. And then the next day, the ground is wet and the fleece is dry. And he's like, I need another confirmation. Make the fleece wet and the ground dry. And then I'll know. That's what I'm supposed to do. And God does it. Well, I feel like I've laid my fleece out many days where I'm like, okay, God, if I need to really, if I need to go to the emergency room next week, like make this happen in my life and I'm laying it out there and nothing happens. Hmm. And I'm like, God, why w that feels like an earnest prayer. And like so many times in the Bible, it says like, bring your desires to God, like cry out to him. And I'm like, I'm pretty dang crying out to you. <laughs> and it feels like an earnest thing. Mm -hmm. And I have to ask why. Like, why is there no answer? Um, and I don't know why. Um, and, you know, I think that um, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego or whatever, all those people, like, when they're like, even if you don't save us from this fire, like, you're still good. Like, I kind of have to just, like, have that disposition and it's not a comfortable one because i'm kind of a control freak <laughs> um and my my husband laughs at me all the time about it he's like you're just demanding god to do these things like I'm, you're not working on his time you're working on his timetable he's not working on yours and i'm like i know i know mm -hmm. but um that's the part of being a christian that feels lonely um gotcha. because it's it's not easily explained like there, I think a lot of times, I think not believing in God, it would be a lot easier because then you can rationalize all these scenarios. Yeah. You know? So, um, well, it's because there's not a God that, yeah. you know, there feels knows a lot more control. Can, you know, can do something about it. But so. for me, because there was a season where I would say I didn't believe in God, there was a couple months where I was like, yeah, it doesn't add up. But I mean, uh, even that, when I tried to rationalize things, it, I found myself even still like coming back to talking to God and and praying to Him and all that. So yeah, I think I'm just forever tied. Even if I want to walk away, He's already got me. <laughs> so would you um, would you say that believing in God produces more uh, pain or more joy? I have to say that particularly for me in the last few years since I've found that I've I've now made my relationship with God more honest and not about other people's approval it has been more isolating which has been more painful um I can't tell you how many times I've said something in conversation or posted something on Facebook and then I get five people who I considered really close Christian friends saying oh it really hurts that you're walking away from God or I'm praying for you like I get that all the time. The good old, I'm praying for you. It line. is, and that is freaking painful because it's like, what the hell? Like, this is the first, like, I remember being so confused the first time I posted, like, a, a, an article or a blog that was, like, kind of more liberal Christianity, and the amount of people that reached out to me saying, why did you decide to walk away from God? And I was like, did you read the article? It was literally about, like, God. <laughs> and I just was, like, flabbergasted. And so in the last few years, I would say that following God earnestly has been more painful mm -hmm. um, when it comes to other believers. But 
in my relationship with God, that honesty with him has produced more joy when mm -hmm. I'm talking to him. Mm -hmm. So it's a weird balancing act. Yeah. I wish it could be that like joy in both aspects. Yeah. And there's and there's times where like you find out who your true friends are and and true like community is and like they support you even if you disagree. Mm -hmm. Um but that was painful, that realization that like for some Christians it needs to look a certain way for it to be real Christianity. And that's yeah. just not the case. Yeah. There there really is a lot of that going yeah. around and I'm sorry I, okay, that you but that. also a little rant about that. I don't understand what can, what brings someone to send that message. Like, come talk to me. Like, if you really <laughs> have a problem, like, I don't think I'm an intimidating person. No. <laughs> come talk to me right. and have a dialogue. That always really confuses me when I get a message or email about that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, the, the reason why I'm asking that is, or the, the question of does it produce more pain mm -hmm. is because I, what I've, I've heard from others, and honestly, sometimes I think about this myself, mm -hmm. is it's like, is a belief in God just a belief that I have because of, I want to be comfortable? Like, mm -hmm. is it purely based on comfort? Um, and if I'm to answer that honestly... I think that does play into my mm. my personal answer, and but I ask that question to you um, because I I just would find it really interesting if somebody said, "Oh no, it's like mostly pain," um, because that would it, it's mostly painful to believe in God because that would definitely like go against that belief that God is just a construct that we've created to make us feel more comfortable and good about. Things. I would say for this season I'm in, I would say it's probably more discomfort. And mm -hmm. because I would say I was the most comfortable with people when I was just kind of nodding my head along to things, even if I disagreed in my head, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was like, Total, I totally did that out of comfort because I didn't want to cause waves. Mm -hmm. And now, like, I found the spirit in me to really, like, challenge things and to, like, really ask why we believe these things. And I, it doesn't get easier. It is, like, <laughs> I, I – <laughs> and it's so funny because Brian, my husband, he'll be like – he can tell I like have a twitch in my face when someone says something or does something that I'm like, what the heck? Like they'll say <laughs> something that's like, oh, in the scripture it says blah, 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 blah. And it's not a scripture at all. It's yeah. totally something they just made up. And I'll be like twitching, like wanting to <laughs> say something. But I know that it like sometimes that just makes a worse situation. Mm -hmm. So it's like picking your battles. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, anything else you'd like to add as far as your answer to the question, um, why do you believe in God? Why? I mean, yeah. I mean, and I actually, I was thinking about this as I was driving over because I was like thinking through like, how do I know God? Why do I believe in God and all this? Um, my husband actually had a great quote that I think about a lot and I think this kind of summarizes where I'm at um someone asked him why do you why do you believe in God and he was like well because at the end of the day if this is a logics game I'm uh 
if I'm wrong about this, I've had more life being wrong <laughs> than being right, if that makes sense. So like for him, his own story, like his life was really painful before he came to Christ. He dealt with a lot of things. And when he decided to follow Jesus, he's felt a freedom that he's never felt before. And that's not always the case with people, but for him particularly, he's like, if I'm wrong about this, I've had a better life since. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, and that's not the case for me necessarily, because I feel like I was raised in the church and so it's all very convoluted in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, but I, if I'm wrong at the end of the day about this, I'm okay with it. Yeah. So I've heard that before too, yeah. like one of my friends, um, was like, yeah, maybe, maybe this is all wrong, but I don't know what there, there hasn't been a lifestyle that mm. has been presented to me that is more life giving than what I have like experienced. I mean, ain't that the truth though? I, I actually really resonate with that because I think if I did, I, <laughs> I'm actually laughing about this because last year I had kind of an identity crisis where I was like, I don't know if I believe in God. And I remember processing this with my counselor and she's like, okay, so like, how does that change your life if you don't believe in God? Like what practically, what does that look like each day? And I was like, kind of nothing different. <laughs> like I'll probably still have a community. I'll probably still help out others. Um, I'm already married, so it's not like it would really change much of my dating lifestyle. <laughs> like not much would really change. Um, but also, I mean, it, it, everything does change because I do love God as well. So yeah, I'm sure things wouldn't change practically, but yeah. maybe like Emotionally spiritually and, and emotionally, spiritually, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like you wouldn't be when you're serving others, you wouldn't see it as a participation in Yeah, that's you know, a great point. What, what Jesus did and wants us to do. Yeah. Um you would just see it as, Oh, I'm serving this person, they give them a good life on earth and Yeah, I'd probably be more arrogant, to be honest, because then I could attribute everything to myself and yeah, I mean, I already struggle with arrogance in a lot of ways, so we don't need to puff that balloon even more. Don't we all? <laughs> so that's probably all I would say. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> all right, that concludes this episode, but we are really interested in hearing your thoughts on why you believe in God. So... Make your way on over to the Project Matter social media pages and find the post regarding this episode and share your thoughts. Like always, we're looking forward to seeing what you bring to the conversation.